So picture this. You did four years of undergrad. You did your master's. That took about two years. And then you did four years of pharmacy. You were brought up with the respect about the profession and respect about others. That's what you were taught. And then you were told that you're the last line of defense for patients between their healthcare and their health. You got a great job in community pharmacy. You're ready to make a difference for patients. Hell, you even got a full-time job working in a community pharmacy, which is amazing. And here you are cashing out a narcotic prescription on your first day of work. And it's a family member that's picking that medication up. And you ask them for their ID because you've never seen them before. And you hear, what? I've never been asked this before. I'd like to speak to your manager. And you try to explain to the patient that by law, they actually have to show their ID in order to pick up for someone else. It doesn't matter if it's their family member. They instead tell you that actually they're going to make sure that you get fired and that you're reported to head office. And they might even say, I'm going to file a complaint against the college against you. What did you do wrong? You're just following the rules. You didn't get a degree to be yelled at or threatened at with complaints or termination. What happened to respect and wearing that white coat? Is it really worth it? Welcome to the latest episode of Off The Script. We're going to be talking about community pharmacy today. Now that first intro story that Faison shared may have rubbed some people the wrong way, but it definitely isn't unheard of. People definitely have experienced similar stories, albeit our story may be blown out of proportion a little bit. What we want to talk about today is why some pharmacists believe that community pharmacy is held to a lower standard, a lower level of respect than some of the other jobs that are available for pharmacists. And before we even dive into that, we want to talk about our own positive experiences because Faison right now is working as a community pharmacist and I have had experience working in community pharmacy throughout my pharmacy school career. So that's a full three years now. And I'd like to say that both of us still really do enjoy our jobs. Yeah, just like Chris said, you know, talking about those positive experiences really is what I hang on to whenever I'm practicing because I know at the end of the day, I'm I'm a frontline healthcare practitioner for a lot of patients. And you can't believe how many times I've heard the phrase, you know, out of all my healthcare professionals, I trust you the most. I've also had patients tell me that my recommendations to their physician has made a life-changing impact on their quality of life. I've had people who I've sat down with and talked to and said that this is the most they've ever been heard by a healthcare professional and they really enjoyed talking to me about their concerns and their well-being. So you get to build this relationship. You get to build these little moments where you make a difference on someone's life. And it doesn't need to be about their medication specifically, but just for the fact that you're right there in front of them and you can provide that for them. And on the flip side of that, even if you're not making the largest impact on someone's life, The beauty of community pharmacy is that anyone at any time who needs help can walk into the pharmacy, no appointments needed, and they can talk to you about their problems. I've talked to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of patients about their different problems and just giving them small pieces of advice before they go on their way. And these things aren't always life-changing. Sometimes it might just be pointing to the aisle that you can find the pain medication in. But helping so many people every day really is rewarding. And at the end of the day, I really believe I am making a difference. And for the exact same reason that Chris talked about, being accessible, being right there in front of the patient, it also kind of makes it a little bit unattractive to a lot of pharmacy graduates. We'll go into this later in the episode, 
why the same point about it being rewarding, being right there for the patient can also be kind of demanding from the pharmacist as well. And after we talk about the different points that make community pharmacy a little bit unattractive, we'll also talk about why community pharmacy is so great. First off is the clinical work that's involved in being a community pharmacist. Right now, while we practice in Ontario, but it's a little bit different in different provinces, unfortunately, pharmacists don't have access to lab values. We don't have access to the assessments made by physicians. We don't even know what the diagnosis of the medication is that the patient has brought in. And we don't have any access to electronic health records. Essentially, if you have a patient walk in and they've never filled their prescription at your pharmacy before, they're a complete stranger to you. And that's something that we've kind of mentioned before in our other episodes as well. So that clinical side of making of decision-making and being part of that patient's care, there is a lack, unfortunately, and you're left high and dry for most of that part. What some pharmacists might end up thinking is that since all they can judge is that piece of paper that was provided to them from the doctor, their job is essentially checking to make sure that everything was spelled correctly and that the right number was written and dispensed. As much as we would like to become part of the patient's health and well-being, what I've kind of likened it to is sometimes you're just left with trying to make sure the patient doesn't die from you giving the medication to them. And you can't really optimize their therapy. You can't really make the most out of their therapy for them because you don't have access to that information. Now, you can kind of circumvent this by talking to the patient and asking them, why did you go to the doctor? What did the doctor say? But that's not always reliable because sometimes they don't remember the conversation or they've been sitting in the waiting room for four hours and they just kind of wanted to rush out of there and get to the pharmacy, get their medication. But it is a question that I ask, why did you see the doctor or what did the doctor tell you about the medication? And it kind of adds a little bit of detective work to your clinical experience of giving that patient their prescription. And on that note, that extra detective work kind of works into why some people also don't like community pharmacy. If we had all those tools at hand, we wouldn't have to do all that additional work to make sure that our patients are receiving the best care. And on top of that extra detective work, as a community pharmacist, you're not only involved in the process of drug dispensing, you also have to answer phone calls from doctors, you also have to answer over-the-counter questions from patients. So overall, a lot of pharmacists have the idea that community pharmacists kind of just get pulled apart in different directions and that they're very overworked. And we've talked about this in our first season as well. So if you guys want to learn more about the overworked pharmacists, you can always check out our episode from the first season. And like we did mention briefly in that episode as well, to circumvent this, you have to take command of the pharmacy and optimize the workflow. For example, you know, as a pharmacist, don't just stick to the pharmacist counter because you think that's where you live. You have to help out the rest of the team so that if you want to do that medication review with the patient and be more clinical, the staff can help support that and push the wait times a little bit more or you know, work, work in your favor, essentially. However, some pharmacists believe that they are beyond clerical duties since they went to school to become a pharmacist and not to become a cashier. But at the end of the day, you're part of a team and teamwork is essential. The next thing that kind of makes community pharmacy a little bit less attractive is something that we talked about in the first episode of this new season. And it's that there's a discrepancy between the amount of work that we do and how much were we actually getting paid to do said work? 
So again, like we said, on top of all that clinical stuff that we do have to make sure that we're doing appropriately, there's a lot of documentation. We're basically providing free advice to people on the phone as well as to whoever walks in. And then there's also the clerical duties that we have to do on top of that. We don't want to go over all the points of the first episode, like we said, but it is something important for this episode as well. You know, owners are pushing lower wages. You almost have to prove your worth out there that uh, honestly, a lot of times that I've applied to positions in the community, I've not only had to prove my clinical work, but I've also had to prove that I'm fast at doing entry, I'm fast at doing filling, and I can counsel effectively and efficiently. So these things do factor into whether or not you get your job and do factor into whether or not you get a better pay. Moving on to what we talked about earlier about being so accessible, we kind of mentioned it here as well about the pay where you're providing free advice. You are there as the frontline healthcare professional. You get to help people out. You get to give them advice. And you're essentially almost like prescribing over-the-counter products to the patient because they give you their symptoms, they give you whatever issues, and you're telling them which product to get. It's essentially diagnosing and prescribing, but not officially. However, a lot of pharmacists, and this is something that we also learned in school about, it's something that it's well-agreed point about pharmacists in general, is that they're actually very introverted. So generally, pharmacists are a little bit more introverted, and they're more risk-averse, as well as averse to responsibility which is the complete opposite of what you need to thrive in community pharmacy. Community pharmacists are the leaders of their pharmacy, and they need to make sure that they have the confidence to take that risk as well as the responsibility of taking care of your patients. And it's often the best community pharmacists that are the ones that thrive off of taking responsibility and being the leader in their pharmacy. And that goes back to your positive experiences in the pharmacy. Patients see that. Patients see that you're there to take care of them and you're not just hiding behind the counter because that often does fall into conflicts. I've heard of patients arguing with, with pharmacists saying you're just hiding behind the counter. You don't want to take responsibility for whatever's happened. The last point that makes some people averse to community pharmacy is that they're kind of scared that once you go to community pharmacy, there's no turning back. And what we mean by that is that you can't transition from community pharmacy to hospital or industry jobs. Actually, being in the community pharmacy can allow you to to start project work. Just because you're working as a pharmacist in the community doesn't mean that you can't expose yourself to different facets of the profession that allow you to specialize in hospital or industry. For example, if you want to get more managerial experience and move into industry and do more project work, you can always ask your owner or your manager to give you a little bit more responsibility to do project work. So maybe you want to implement clinic days in the pharmacy, or maybe you want to even have a mental health specialization and you want to start building medication reviews that specialize for mental health patients. There are ways to transition and there are ways to to brand yourself and put yourself out there, but it comes with a little bit of self-investment from yourself and to take that risk, which unfortunately a lot of pharmacists don't like to do. Now, we've talked a lot of doom and gloom about why people don't like community pharmacy, but let's swing it back over to the other side and talk about the positives because, again, Faison and I really do believe that community pharmacy is the place where you can make a huge impact on so many different lives, and we do want to convince you that it is a great job. So number one, 
you get to work for yourself as a community pharmacist. Because it's shift work, you get to set whatever hours that you want to do. If you want to work seven days on overnight and seven days off, totally go for it. There's options out there for that. If you want to set up base in the north and earn lots of money, you can do that too. If you want to open your own pharmacy, you can do that also. But again, a lot of these things involve taking risks. And it's very, very easy, and this is where the negativity comes from, it's very easy to settle for whatever's available and just and just ride it through for the next 30 years. I could do that very easily. It's all about having a passion and drive to do more than just that and to put yourself out there and to utilize your community experience as a way of bettering yourself and providing better care for your patients. Oh, one of my pet peeves that I have is a lot of pharmacists that transition from community to hospital or get a hospital job will label themselves as clinical pharmacists. It's a very redundant title to have because if you're a pharmacist working in the community, your work is still clinical. You still do clinical checks for every prescription that you do. If you're working to the best of your ability the way you're supposed to be, you're as much of a clinical pharmacist in the community setting as you are working in a hospital or working in any other institutional setting where you could be calling yourself a clinical pharmacist. But on top of those clinical duties, community pharmacists do have a lot of non-clinical problems that they have to solve for patients. Again, this might include small things like figuring out insurance for a patient. They might include referring to another healthcare professional because we don't have the means necessary to actually solve the patient's problems at that time. But every single one of these interactions strengthens that patient and provider relationship and builds more rapport with your patients. And in my experience, what I found is that the more I work and the more I see these patients over and over again, I develop that relationship and they trust me more. They tell me more about their lives. They tell me more about their problems because healthcare isn't uh, strictly what medications you take and it's not what your blood pressure is. There's also habits that you take that really contribute to their overall health. And when a patient trusts you and tells you what they're doing day to day, you can intervene and point them in the right direction to steer their health to a better place. This is one of the reasons why pharmacists are continually ranked among the most trusted healthcare professionals ever. Because some patients see the pharmacist every day and that really strengthens the patient and provider relationship. Unfortunately, working in the hospital setting, you only get to see the patient a few times before they're discharged, on an average case. And even then, their care is provided by a multitude of people. You're just one face in a sea of healthcare providers, whereas in the community, you're the focal point for access to care. More often, the patient will actually know exactly who you are by name, you'll know them by name, and you'll have a relationship that could span years. And that's why... What you say to that patient might have so much more impact on their healthcare compared to what other healthcare professionals might say, because you're there to provide your time of day to them. Right now, I have my rotation in the hospital, and whenever we see patients, we have to sit down with them and conduct a quick interview to go over their medications. And part of the procedure is to ask where their community pharmacy is. But my favorite thing is when they don't just tell me the phone number or don't just tell me the address, but they also tell me, and talk to Sam. Sam's my guy. He's the pharmacist there. I love that. <laughs> I love that they know exactly who their pharmacist is, and they specifically tell me that if I call, I have to ask for Sam because he's their pharmacist, and he knows the patient best. 
we talked about how there's a little bit of lack of clinical work or sometimes the clinical work is overshadowed by the non-clinical stuff in community pharmacy but soon in Ontario there will be expanded scope which will include common ailments prescribing and when we get this we'll be able to hopefully help the patient even further and really be able to tackle more of the problems head on instead of having to refer to another healthcare professional which might not be as accessible. And I've had it many times as a practicing pharmacist where I've had a patient come in and I can tell they have conjunctivitis or they have a UTI or urinary tract infection. And unfortunately, I can do almost absolutely nothing for them other than refer them to a physician. And Mostly this happens after hours when there's no doctor available and they have to wait till the next day or their other option is to go to the eMERGE. And it's so frustrating for me because it's like, I know exactly what you need. I could write a prescription for you. These products are only available through prescription to treat your condition, but unfortunately you'll have to wait. And that could potentially lead to them becoming worse in their condition. And this problem isn't uncommon. There's over 800,000 people in Ontario that don't have access to a primary care provider. And who better to provide this care than pharmacies that are open late, open on the weekend, open after hours, sometimes we're open 24 hours. Really, community pharmacies are a very accessible point of healthcare, and hopefully soon, community pharmacies will be able to fill that gap in care. And one exciting thing about Expanded Scope is that there's already studies to show that community pharmacists' involvement in control of these chronic conditions like heart disease or like diabetes is linked with better control of these conditions and better outcomes for the patient. So it's just a matter of time and we're very excited to see Expanded Scope come to Ontario soon. Finally, as a community pharmacist, you get to see a larger volume of patients. You get to impact so many more patients' lives. Community pharmacies are the most accessible healthcare professional sites. They're open late, they're open on weekends, and they have so many locations. Literally, if you drive, I, I, want, I want you guys to try and test this. Go for a drive, go for about a two kilometer drive, and just look at how many pharmacies you can come across. Inside each one of those pharmacies is a pharmacist working if it's open, and you can go right up to them, describe to them whatever is causing an ailment or a condition for you, and ask them what their medical advice would be regarding that condition. And they will give you advice for free. How amazing is that? No appointment required. It sounds like a scam. So overall, regardless of what job you pursue in the profession of pharmacy, whether that be industry, hospital, or community, there are going to be different challenges that you do have to face. But what we want to emphasize in this episode is that community pharmacy is unique in that you really do need to stand out as an individual if you want to make the most out of your time for your patients and provide them with the best care. It's one of my career goals that no matter where I end up in pharmacy, I always want to have at least one regular shift in community practice because that's how much I value what it's like to be on the front line as a pharmacist. Thank you for listening to the second episode of the second season of Off the Script. We hope you all enjoyed. And again, if you'd like to know more, if you'd like to know more about experiences, or if you want to share your own positive experiences, we're doing different things this season. We'd love to hear from you guys what your experiences have been in community practice, hospital practice, maybe even industry practice for you practicing pharmacists out there. Let us know. Shout us an email. Shout us on Facebook. 
if you want to keep shouting at us, there's Instagram and Twitter too. But Chris, where where what are those tags again? Everything is slash off the script show. Except if you want to share an email, which is off the rx at gmail.com. We love hearing from you guys. We love the feedback. We love the questions. So please keep them coming. And we'll see you guys at the next episode. Off the Script is produced by Tom Fung, Faison Baig, and Chris Tse. Fact-checking is done by Stephen Guan. Mixing and editing is done by Chris Tse. Off the Script is a podcast focused on education and entertainment. However, we are not a replacement for real medical advice. Please see your local healthcare professional if you have any questions about your own personal health. Thank you to Sean Singh for creating our introductory music, and thank you to Chill Hop Music for allowing us to use their music in our intermission and ending. You can find more great songs at chillhop.com slash listen. Listen.